appreciate the opportunity that pastor gives me to stand behind the sacred uh, desk to preach the gospel. I, I, I don't count it as uh, something that's owed me, but I really do appreciate it. Hallelujah. Uh, he is preaching a revival in his uh, original church of Pittsburgh, Kansas, where he got saved. He'll be back with us next weekend. So pray for him. Pray for Miss Mona. And uh, the guy, they have a good time there. Praise God. We're taking notes. I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled, An Unlikely Deliverer. One man once said, great occasions do not make heroes or cowards. They simply unveil them to the eyes of man. Silently and imperceptibly as we wake or sleep, we grow strong or weak. And at last, some crisis shows us what we've become. You know, in 911, this uh, September will be 21, 20 years, 20 year anniversary of 911 where we were attacked. And in New York City that day, in, uh, uh, in Pennsylvania, in D.C., there were first responders, police, firefighters, others, and they never woke that day planning that they were going to become heroes. They never dressed, got their uniform on, did all their regular routines, thinking that this is the day that I'm going to risk my life to save lives, or even that I'm going to risk my life and lose my life for others. Because of evil of other people. You know, if you talk to most people who get labeled as heroes, they have trouble explaining exactly what went through their minds that caused them to do the thing that they were, became heroic for. They just saw a need and they acted. They saw a need and acted unselfishly because of that need. I want to tell you tonight that everyone here, you have a potential to do great things for God. You may not think so, because when we look, we look and we see ourselves, right? We're so familiar with ourselves, our limitations, our failures, our fragile frame. But listen, God sees the possibilities in us. It doesn't take anyone that we think as special or ultra-talented. It just takes someone that's available and obedient to meet the need. Can you say amen? Praise God. Let's look in Judges 3, starting in verse 12. Praise God. Brother Curtis, this is one of the stories I was telling you about, brother. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, and went and defeated Israel and took the possession of the city of, the, of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was double-edged and a cubit in length. It fastened, he fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, Keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. So Ahud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ahud said, I have a message from God for you. So he rose from his seat. Then Ahud reached 
with his left hand, took the dagger from his right thigh, and thrust it into his belly. Even the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. Let's pray. Father, I ask this day clarity, God. Lord, for your word, I thank you, God, for Lord, your Holy Spirit. I trust in you. My confidence is not in my flesh experience or ability, but it's solely in you. I pray, open our hearts and minds to your word. That you seek a word in season by your spirit to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I'm going to look at is humble beginnings. You know, if you look at and examine the uh, origins of most people that we consider heroes of the faith, many of them had very humble beginnings. Here is Ehud. And the, the text makes a concerted effort to point out specific facts. He was a left-handed man. Now, in ancient cultures, if you were left-handed, that was considered unlucky. In fact, in the uh, Latin language, the word for left or left hand is sinister. We get the word sinister or sinistro. It's, it means evil, right, or unlucky. They were very superstitious then. And so it's interesting. So he was a left-handed man. Not only was a left-handed man, but he was the left-handed man from the smallest tribe of Israel, Benjamin. Now, if you do some research, you'll find that the men of Benjamin at one time had 700 men that were expert stone slingers. So these were not swordsmen in any means. They threw rocks with a little leather thing. All right? That's that. So if a swordsman coming against you, what are you going to do? Oh, get away! Right? Not going to do a whole lot of good. You better have some other swordsmen to help you up front in front of you. While you stay back and, you know, bonk them on the head. So here it is, and, and he's just, he's delivering the tribute. Can you imagine how humiliating that is? Your country's been in bondage for 18 years because of your own sin, maybe even your own family's sin, and his, this dude's job is to go bring on a regular basis a bribe, payment to keep them safe, a security deposit, if you would, for their safety so they can get beaten up on a regular basis. Now, I don't know how old Ehud was. It doesn't say. But you can imagine that he probably grew up seeing this. 18 years seeing this happen over and over and over again. You know, can you imagine the people from the other tribes making fun of all the Benjamites? Hey, lefty! <laughs> you want a sword fight? Uh-oh, you can't. Maybe, maybe Ehud was not just left-handed, but he was left-handed, and he had a problem with his right hand. Right? You know how cruel kids are. Hey, chicken wing! Let's arm wrestle! Oh, you can't. Not with your right hand. Can you clap? Oh, no. Can you do anything with Tarant? No. Who knows? We don't know. The text doesn't say that. Needless to say that the Benjamites were not the, like the tribe of Judah. They weren't known as warriors in that regard. They were slingers. You can read about Jael in Judges 4. Who, here's his housewife who uh, nails the enemy general Sisera. Literally. You read about Gideon in Judges 6.11. God calls him while he's practicing with sword and bow and arrow and leading. No, he's hiding in fear behind uh, a, a mill, grind, the grind meal, because 
He doesn't want to get attacked. And that's where the angel of the Lord, Jesus, finds him and calls him and commissions him to serve him. And yet this man goes on and defeats the Midianites, outnumbered. His army is 300, they number in thousands. Continue with Shammah. And there's others in the Bible you can look at. For the sake of time, I can't name them all. But if you look in Shammah, in 2 Samuel 23, 11 through 12, he defends a bean field and beats all the Philistines that attack it. Now, again, I don't know about you, but I, you know, but listen, if it's your bean field, you defend it, right? It's yours. If that's your food, man, you don't want people taking it from you, whether it's beans or cattle. But all these people come from ignominious beginnings, unknown beginnings, and yet they all saw or were involved in a situation where they decided to do something concrete about, the, about it. They get tired of being bullied. They get tired of being beaten up. They get tired of evil and said, you know what? This isn't right. I'm stopping it. If no one else does, I'm going to do something about it. Ehud got tired of seeing Israel pay tribute to an ungodly Moabite king. 18 years he's seen this. 18, year, 18 years of bondage. When are you going to get sick and tired of it? Maybe that's you here. You lived in a certain bondage, a certain mindset all your life. There's good news. Jesus can set you free. You don't have to settle for that. You don't have, listen, you have to come to a place where you're no longer going to allow that to be an excuse for why you're going through things, why you are the way you are. You have to get to that point where you're going to stay in bondage for the rest of your life. That's a free, that's not even in my sermon. You know, I was reading this, and it reminds me, this account of Jesus when he clears out the temple. He did it twice. But can you imagine Jesus every year going to Jerusalem, seeing the same money changers, making money, ripping people off. People are there to worship. Oh, sorry, dude, <laughs> you don't get the right coin. But you know what? If you step right over here, we do. Oh, no, that's not the right kind of animal. There's, there's, where are you from again? Oh, you're from the, yeah, see, there's a spot there. You didn't see it before when you came here? Well, you know what? I'm sorry, but you know, for a small price of a thousand shekels, we have this animal right here that you can buy for the sacrifice. Because if you don't have the sacrifice, you're not going to worship God. Jesus sees this over, he grows up seeing this. And then finally says, oh no, I'm, uh-uh. You think they'd learn the first time. He had to come back later on and do it again. They got their business back together again. And he wasn't real nice. Took a rope. Bam, 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 bam. That's the nice lamb of God. Now, he didn't do it all the time. But Jesus was not scared of having to use force when he needed to. Amen? And yet even Jesus, what is his job? He's a carpenter. Born in a stable. With very few people, not the high and mighty, know who he is. Only a few. The shepherds, later on wise men. It says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27-28, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world. And the things which are despised. God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. See, in God's economy, 
the weak who depend on him, they're the ones who are strong. The ones the world says, oh, you're stupid to follow Jesus. What, what do you mean? You're going to get out of the military, plant your life in Newport News and live for Jesus? And get out of the service? Are you, you're a fool. What, you're going to, you're going to uh, decide to be consecrated to Jesus and, and be faithful to services every time the door is open? Even when there's revivals? Dude, you could be making so much money. You could be doing this. You could be doing that. Are you, you're going to restrict your, your, your behavior to live a consecrated life? What does the world say? What did some of us think about those people before God saved us? Right? That's stupid. That's Jesus freak. Look, you're a freak for somebody. Either for the world, someone else, or for Jesus. You're serving somebody. I'm not, I don't serve no man. Yes, you do. Whether it's yourself, your wife, your husband, your kids, your boss, you're serving somebody. Listen, I want to tell you this. God will equip those who he calls. So many people shy away or delay the call of God. And I'm not talking about necessarily about just the call of preaching. But everyone is called to do something. Everyone is made for a purpose, to do something for God. So what is it that God has called you for? What is the purpose that God has called you into this church and saved you and, and, and placed you? The Bible says in 2 Peter that we are living stones. That means we have a, all have a place in the wall. We all have a place in the church to fulfill. Are you filling your place or is a hole there? And why aren't you putting yourself in that place? Why aren't you letting God fit you and mold you so you can fit into that place and function? If God has spoken to you, it is your responsibility to obey. And listen, the good news is this. You don't have to be ready. You don't have to be ready. He will empower you. He will equip you. He will chisel you. He will mold you. Now, this is the thing. He'll use people to do it. Right? He'll use life to do it. We, we want him to wave the magic wand, send an angel, and boom! We're presto. No stress. Easy. No, 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 no. He'll use the person that, that grinds and sets sparks off. And you know that term, iron sharpens iron? There's pieces coming off the iron, man. It's not this nice little spray polish thing. Oh, that looks nice. Not some wax job that you're getting, you know, like you wax your car. No, there's stuff come off. There's pain involved. There's friction. There's fire. There's something that's, 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 that's causing that to happen to make you better. Go through the fire. Well, that's hot. That's not comfortable. It's not meant to be. Because we don't change when we're comfortable. Listen, he will empower you. He will give you strategy. He will give you wisdom. And he'll give you resources to accomplish what he's called you to do. Because it's his idea. Ehud is amazing. Here it is. He uses wisdom. He's a slinger. I can imagine this. So if he's known because he's delivered the tribute over and over again, they may know him, right? They know he's from Benjamin. They know he's a slinger. So here's how I imagine Ehud's got the little sling, right? On the left side because he's a slinger. Get a bag of stones. But what does he have this time? He got a sword. 
He's got a sword where no one wears a sword because everyone else is right-handed. Under his robes, you've got a sword hidden. So they're frisking him, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, how you doing, buddy? He goes, okay, we need your sling and your bag of stones. Oh, come on, man. Okay. Yeah, I got something for you, buddy. (laughs) He didn't say that. Goes up there, and and he must have been thinking of this. Okay, I'm going to go in. I got my sword. Okay, they can take the stone. Okay, I got it. Okay. Oh, oh, he's going to be alone in his bathroom, in his massage parlor or his spa, whatever you want to call it, right? That's what the private room was, the nice cool room where it's chilling. Okay, hey, hey, I got a message for you. It's a secret. We all love secrets, don't we? Itching ears. Well, so does Eglon. Hey, hey, I got to tell you, no, it's your ears only, man. Maybe Eglon's thinking, ooh, more money. Women, whatever it is that his little wicked, evil mind is desiring, right? Oh, a secret. Yeah, yeah, tell me. Tell me. Get out, get out. Get, 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 get. Come here, man, tell me. Yeah, yeah. And that's the last day on earth. He says, I got a message for you. And he got the point. <laughs> Literally. The Bible says this in Psalms 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to know that. We need to write that in the tablets of our hearts. Don't settle for fear. Matthew 10, 19 through 20 says, But when they deliver, not, not if, listen, listen, not if, when it's going to happen. There's going to be resistance. There's going to, we're going to have the police called on us. Security in the mall is going to... Get out, get out, get out. I'll pull my water gun on you. Oh, they don't trust me with that. I saw that dude over there. It's like, I was thinking, what if we all went and ran in different places? That dude's not catching us. <laughs> he can't hardly walk fast. When they, deli- when they deliver you up, do not worry about what you should speak for. It will be given to you in that hour what you should speak for. It is not you who speaks, but it is the spirit of your Father who speaks in you. You don't have to be a trained order, a Bible geek who knows all kinds of verses. You just have to surrender your tongue and take action and speak for God. And he will give you the words. You never have that happen. You're an outreach. That's the first start. Or you choose a witness of somebody. And maybe you're terrified. You're sick. Can I tell you the truth? There's times I'm on outreach. I've been saved for 31 years. Going upstairs to the door. And fear. Out of the blue wants to hit me. I've been doing this all that I could do this in my sleep. Right? Okay, have you heard about I mean, I could have a whole script down, man. <laughs> the basic Roman road, all this. And fear will hit me, and it's like, what? what the, oh, no, 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 no. That means you, want, you don't want that person to get saved. Okay, well, that means I'm really going to witness to him now. And just open your mouth, because it's not up to us. We can't control people's hearts. All we can do is make ourselves available and bring the message. Second thing we look at is stepping out from the crowd. That means you have to get involved. Listen, every believer, if you read the Bible, every believer is a disciple, a disciplined learner who should follow Jesus. We talked about that. Uh, Pastor Howard 
preached awesome this morning. Man, if you weren't there, do, you got, do we record that? Get the men's D class this morning. You need it. You need it. If you want to be a real man of God, you need it. See, listen, if you find the kingdom of God in church is boring, it's boring when you watch it instead of live it. It's boring when you're not involved. Amen? You know, there, I, like, I like most sports, but there's one sport I get a hard time even watching at all, baseball. Oh, the game that never ends. The only other one longer than that is sometimes soccer. You get some long matches. What do you mean you scored two points in a four-hour game? Are you crazy? I don't know if it's that long, but it sure seems that long when you're there. Now, but if you're playing it, time goes by. Why? You're invested. You're in. You want your team. You're, you've trained for this. You've labored for this. You've risked injury for this because you're involved. You've got a stake in it. But otherwise, what are you? Oh, man. You're the critic. You're the armchair quarterback, right? I shared with Curtis an awesome story, a quote. Dale Moody one time was preaching in England. And at the end of the, the meeting, a woman, old cranky religious lady, comes up to him. Well, Brother Moody, I don't like how you preach the gospel. He was very quick-witted. He replied, well, ma'am, I like the way I preach it better than the way you don't. <laughs> Amen. Some of you guys want to go comment to pastor. Now you won't, will you? <laughs> he might say that to you. Hallelujah. You know what? It's interesting. We never read stories that are interesting about people who do nothing. You never read in history of a book with 20,000 pages about someone who did nothing. Wouldn't that be boring? Page one, did nothing. Still did nothing. Really, 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 really did nothing. What a what? Being famous for doing nothing? I had a guy in the army, I kid you not, his plan when he got out of the army was to be a bum. <laughs> what? Yeah, see, I got this injury, and I'm going to get for the 100% disability, and I'm going to get out, and I'm going to be a bum. I, he was 24 years old, whole life ahead of him, but he's planning on being a bum. Because he didn't want responsibility. He wanted to do nothing. That was an acceptable lifestyle to him. You know, the Bible says that even people who prayed prayers are mentioned as having a part in the kingdom of God. Because that is doing something. That is doing something powerful. And anyone can do it. I don't know what I can do. You can pray. Amen? Those who are going to listen to this later on on the, on the uh, uh, streaming or on the Spotify, listen, if you're not coming to church here, you're not going to Irish for whatever, you can pray for us. Who do? You have a part to play. You can give. I can't do anything. Yeah, you can do something. Stop making excuses. Tell them, tell them a couple of times. Maximum range of excuses, zero. That's how far that goes. In, in the military, if you're firing a weapon, there's a, there's a range. Maximum range is how far it goes. So let that thing settle it in. Excuses go nowhere. They don't do anything. 
They just make you feel good. Amen? You could, you could mention all those who did nothing for Jesus. They ought to write a book called Lifestyles of the Rich and Nameless. Those who just live for this world and do nothing for Jesus. You know, there were other tribes that lived in Israel at the same time. And they refused to follow God. In fact, we read in our text that they helped the Moabites against the Israelites. You can read about Ammon. They descended from Lot's incestuous relationship with his younger daughter. They knew all about God and they did nothing against the Moabites. They would not ally with Israel to overthrow Moab. You know what Moab means? Haters of God. They were descendants of Lot's incestuous relationship with the older daughter. They worshipped Molech with human sacrifices. They were not nice people. You can read about Amalek. These were originally people who allied against Abram. And eventually the Edomites mixed with them. They were distant relatives of the Israelites. They were the very first people to attack Israel as they entered the promised land. What a wonderful thing to be famous for. They joined in worship in the lifestyle of the Moabites in idolatry. They always joined who was against Israel every single time. Always trying to attack them. You know what? This reminds me. Those who, who they, they may attend a church, but they don't attend or entertain God in their lives. They just go out of religious reasons. Maybe they want to poke holes. Maybe they go out of rote. But all they will do is criticize and even work against the kingdom of God. They become satisfied with letting life and the world pass them by. And eventually they will become part of it. Because you know what God does, and he's doing it in these last days, is he's polarizing. He's putting a focus. Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came to bring a division, a delineation. You're on my side, or you're on the world side. Pick. Well, can I just... No, you can't straddle. No, you can't walk on the fence. Which side of the fence are you going to be on? You try to walk on the fence, you're going to fall. And it's not going to be on Jesus' side. They never want to cause waves. They never want to stick out for God. These are tolerant people. They tolerate homosexuality. Oh, it's just an accept. It's just a different... Like, no, it's sin! Sin. It is. Not. Well, they're just choosing who they want to love. It's sin! Bible says it. Can they be saved? Yes, thank God they can be gloriously saved and delivered. But it's sin. And just like any other sin, they need to repent. And God will meet them and change them. Perverts. But you know who they won't tolerate? Extremists. Which actually means people that are faithful and follow the Bible. Jesus freaks. You and I. People that tithe, people that give. People that witness to others. People that forgive. People that pray and believe for miracles. Those, those, are, those are weirdos. People that believe in liberty and freedom. Oh, you're a hater. Bible says that they shall in the end days call good evil and evil good. And we're seeing it more and more and more. Whose side are you on? One man said when evil, evil prevails, when good men do nothing, 
So what are you and I doing? We had an awesome outreach yesterday in the mall. People getting saved, people getting prayed for in the mall. Praise God. That's revival. You know what? I dare say the people that came on our research today, I saw some of you all dressed. You guys are ready for the cold. And would have gone out in the cold if we needed to. Amen? That's revival. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him who knows good and does it not, it is sin. See, the Bible says that there are things we should do. People, oh, the Bible just the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, God is me. Look, there's more the Bible says that we should do. But are we doing it? There's more things the Bible says that God will equip, equip us and empower us to do. But are we doing it? There's a famous explorer named Sir Ernest Shackleton. And he put a newspaper ad for his endurance exploration or expedition to the Antarctic. Listen to this. Maybe you've heard this before. Men wanted for hazardous journey, low wages, bitter cold, long hours of complete darkness, safe return doubtful, honor and recognition in event of success. Now, doesn't that sound like the gospel? Jesus says, hey, some of y'all are going to die. Have your head chopped off. Tells, tells, tells Peter, hey, they're going to kill you, dude. John, you're going to live for a long time. But you're gonna, you didn't tell him about the getting boiled in oil part, did he? <laughs> didn't tell him about the, the being exiled on an island part, did he? Theodore Roosevelt said this, far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows not victory or defeat. Think of that. Where, where are you living at in your faith walk today? Is it in the gray twilight? Because you will take no risk. You will take, oh God, I want to do something for you. Except for anything that requires risk or danger or faith or trial or consecration. So you want to do nothing for Jesus except go to heaven. There is no heaven light. There's no disciple light. Amen? Come on. That's it. I'm going to another church. He's preaching too hard. Read the Bible. Jesus preached a lot harder than me, y'all. And he knew you all a lot better than me. Think of this. Ehud did not go with the tribute with an army. He went by himself. What if it failed? What if they did search him and found the sword? I think the next time they had a tribute, it might be someone different. Probably would have killed him. But you know who he did go to? He went there with God. He went there with the plan of God. He was not a trained soldier. He saw a need. He realized that, you know what? Someone has to do something about it. I think God probably said, how about you? What? Yeah, how about, how about you? He knew there was a cost involved. You know, to serve God, to step out, there's going to be a cost. Our pride has to die. 
You know, are you one of those you go to the mall, go on outreach? Oh, no, I can't go there. My boss lives there. My mom and dad live there. Right? Say, could, could you knock on their door? Could you witness to them? Because if I do, they'll get angry at me. Pride has to die. Listen, your comfort level can't be your goal. Don't listen to the, un- the voice of unbelief or fear or security. Amen? I'm not saying be stupid, but listen, somewhere along the line, you've got to take risks for God if you want to do what he says for you to do. I've never encountered things that God told me to do that didn't have some sort of risk or, or fear or, or, or something where I had to put myself out or invest myself in or do something I didn't like. God does not promise us an easy life. Listen, listen, beloved. If you think that's what, if you think you got saved and you're just going to like somehow float to heaven on a nice, like a nice marshmallow cloud and life is going to be an easy flow, what, what Bible are you reading? Huh? He does not promise us our best rest-free life. That's a lie. That is a lie. Last thing I want to look at is a message from the Lord. God has called us to deliver His message. Amen? In Judges 3, 27-28, this is after he has killed Eglon. And he, it's so awesome, he has a plan and a route he's going to go. Listen to this. And it happened when he arrived, he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him uh, from the mountains, and he led them. And he said to them, follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies the Moabites, into your hand. See, God has given you and I a message. That is the gospel and our testimony. Simply that. Bible says that we overcome the enemy with the blood of Jesus and our testimony. Simple. You don't need a college degree. You don't need to have a doctorate in theology. You don't have to have X number of years experience. You just have to know that Jesus saved you and that you have a testimony. That he's changed you. Amen? But we have to prepare ourselves. Ehud had to think through his strategy. He prepared himself. He knew what he had to do. He knew the actions that he had to take after he killed Eglon. Because guess what? There's a bunch of Moabites still there. Someone else is going to rise up. Well, we need to take care of that, don't we? He planned a specific route. Sorry, I'm going long. Stop, stop, stop. There we go. I will finish soon. Praise God. Where was that? He had a specific route. He knew where he had to go, what he had to do when he got there, which was to announce a message of liberty. He led the re- and he didn't stop there. Listen, this is awesome. It would have been enough when you think, hey, I killed Eglon. Yay for me. No. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to go a certain route. I'm not telling you some more details about there yet. I don't want to steal my own thunder. And then he gets there. He proclaims liberty. And then he leads a revolution, in a, 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 a revolution against him in battle. And he fights himself. And he becomes the second judge of Israel. He didn't just say, okay, I did the hard work. Now you guys go fight. I'll sit back here and drink some Kool-Aid on the porch while you fight and risk your life because I already did enough. We never can do enough. We never can do enough. 
When you do all you can and you empty yourself out, Paul says, I empty myself and God fills me up. I am pouring my life out as a drink offering. Have you poured yourself out or do you just have little dribbles? Ah, oh, that's enough. I'm tired. Welcome to the club. You get tired when you work. You get tired when you expend energy, when you invest yourself in things. That's normal. We have all heaven to rest. Amen? Now listen, I understand we need some sleep. I'm not saying go, you know, seven days without sleep. That's kind of foolish. Have some wisdom. But 24-year-old folks that come to me, oh, I can't do that. I'm so tired. Don't even, don't, don't. I'm telling you now, don't. Don't. Teenagers, don't. Don't come to me. Oh, I can't. I'm tired. Talk to the hand. The face is not listening. Is that too old school? Listen, we have to prepare ourselves. Well, how do you do that? I'm glad you asked. Pray. Inundate yourself with prayer and the word of God. Be, ask God, God, I don't have a plan. This was your idea. You got me into this. What do I got to do? Where do I got to go? Who do you want me to get with me? What do I need? Hey, God, I need some stuff. You got all the resources, right? Well, I need them for your mission. And I will be glad to do it, but you've got to give me this stuff. And God reveals the action and the route. Listen, we have a message. Listen, listen. The gospel is not a answer. It is the answer. It is not one of possible acceptable outcomes. It is the answer. It is the only thing that's going to save people. It's the only thing that's going to deliver people. It's the only thing that's going to heal people. It's the only thing that has real lasting power in lives. And we have the answer. Can you imagine someone that has the cure for cancer and they keep it to themselves? What would you say about that person? You selfish, evil so-and-so. Especially if you had a relative that died of cancer. We have relatives that are dying of sin. We have friends and neighbors dying of sin. Their marriages, their lives, their minds are jacked up. And we have the answer. What are we doing with it? Are we playing secret squirrel Christians? You know, I want to wear a mask. I don't want anyone to know I'm a Christian. Hey, do you know? Huh? You know? Yeah. The, the big guy in the sky. Yeah, I'll get convicted by that. That would have made me, sinner hard me, get say. <laughs> My wife's laughing because she knows what I used to be like unsaved. I would have had fun with that one, wouldn't I? Listen, the gospel is not a possible answer the world needs. It's the answer. Judges 3, I love this. 26 through 27. But Ahud escaped while they delayed. And he passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Syrah. Now, these stone images were idols used in worship. And when you come to those, 
you're supposed to give an offering. And what did he do? He turned his back on them. He, he turned his butt towards them and kept going, insulting their stinking idols. I love it. This guy's got guts. He mocks them. As it happened when he arrived, he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim. The children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them. Judges 3.30 says, So Moab was subdued that day. One day, one day, the page turned. Under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. Listen, God will use you. Ahab became the second judge over Israel. It's interesting, his name, two possible meanings, strong or union. What did he do? He showed strength of character, strength of conviction, strength of action, and he brought a union of the Israelites to defeat the Moabites. One day. I bet no one called him lefty or chicken wing after that. Doesn't mean they never fought. But if they did, they were the ones with the dominion. Amen? For a whole generation. 80 years of rest. See, the battles and stands that you and I make now, that establishes your testimony, possibly for your generation, your kids' generation, and maybe even your grandkids' generation, to the Lord Terry. But are you going to stand? Amen? You have dominion, spiritual dominion in the lives of your family. Listen, maybe you're not called to preach. You're not exempt. Oh, that's just for those called to preach. No, 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 no. No, it isn't. Read the Bible. You are called to make impact because we need pillars. We need examples. We need prayer warriors. We need givers. Amen? You know, I am so encouraged that we have men and women in this place that are disciples. You consider yourself a disciple. Women doing a Bible study. Studying the Bible on their own every day. Men coming to men's D. There's a flow of God and people are part of that. But we can always use more. Book of Acts is a pattern. says that they were all in one accord. We're in one accord. We're going with the flow of revival. Amen? And just as God gave Ahud and Israel victory over Moab, he gives us victory as we witness, as we pray. We see them saved and healed and delivered. Amen? We have fruit here today. Folks that are saved recently today, we love you. Listen, everything we do here is for folks to get saved. Time to press this couple here. We do all that so people get saved. Because we were there once. Amen? I want to close. I know I've gone long. I, th I thank you for your patience. Listen, God gives obscure people the title of deliverers and soul winners. Mighty men of valor, virtuous women, faithful women, certain men, certain women. The Bible uses these terms, and, and God is drawing them out and saying, look, these are special people because they listen to me. He calls them saints. They... The people that have those titles are not giving themselves those titles. That's God that is doing that. It came to them as they simply obeyed God and they continued doing what he called them to do. And there are people that are made of the same stuff here today. Who can tell what powerful impact you will have 
on people here, brothers, sisters, your family members. New converts yet to be birthed in the kingdom of God. But I want to ask you a question. Are you as involved as you can? Are you doing all that you can or looking for ways to duck and cover? Looking for excuses to not do all you can? If so, listen, I want to challenge you today. Make yourself available and obey God. Don't be lazy. You call me lazy? I don't know. Are you lazy? You answer the question, man. Are you tired of having the devil have dominion over you? You're like Moab. 18 years! When are you going to get sick of it? Stop giving the excuse. Well, I've always been. Stop always being that way. Repent of sin. Refuse to give in to self-condemnation and self-pity. Become strong in Jesus Christ and resist temptation. Begin throwing some jabs. Stop letting the devil beat you up. Don't be a punching bag. Don't settle for that. Listen, well, how, how do I do that? Can I do that without getting hurt? No, you can't. Can I do that without cost? No, you can't. Can I do that? Taking There is no easy way. Easy way goes to hell. Listen, why not join excursions to venture out into the enemy's camp and do some damage? Why not become a dangerous man, a dangerous woman to hell where they fear you? Because they know when God speaks to you, oh, baby, look out. Something's about to happen. Why not kick some devil behind? Instead of saying to him, thank you, sir, can I have another? Why not set some captives free? Because listen, Satan, just like Eglon, thinks he's got people bound up and that they have no hope. And if they don't hear from, about Jesus, they have no hope. But listen, there's some Ahuds here. There's some Jails here. There's some Shammas and some Hannahs. There's some Davids and some Debras. There's some bloodwash, Holy Ghost-filled, tongue-talking, soul-winning people here who are not ashamed of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the miracles of God. Can you say amen? amen. Listen, we're on a quest for revival, and we have plenty of openings available. Will you enlist? Will you re-enlist? Sign up here at the altar. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.